0: This is Dr. Baliger here. Today's podcast is on the jugular venous pulse and jugular venous distension. Prominent jugular venous pulse is or distension is seen in congestive cardiac failure, cor pulmonale, tricuspid regurgitation where there is prominent V waves, tricuspid stenosis where there is prominent A waves, a complete heart block where one can see cannon waves, and null. Pulsatile neck veins in superior vena caval obstruction. Typically, the jugular venous pulse is described as being raised so many centimeters above the angle of Louis or the sternal angle. Remember that the uh, jugular venous pulse may be raised to the level of the ear lobes. Differentiating jugular venous pulsations from carotid pulsations, what every clinician must do. Unlike the arterial pulse, the venous pulse has a definite upper level which falls during inspiration and changes its posture. The venous pulse is seen to have a dominant inward motion towards the midline, the wide descent, whereas the arterial pulse exhibits a dominant outward wave. The venous pulse is better seen than felt, whereas the arterial pulse is readily felt by very slight pressure of the clinician's finger, eliciting the apatojugular reflux or the abdominal jugular reflux Uh, is important in heart failure. It's a feature of left left ventricular systolic failure with secondary pulmonary hypertension. It's elicited by upper abdominal compression for approximately 10 seconds. An abdominal response is one when there is an increase followed by an abrupt fall. The hepatojugular maneuver is often useful in, in eliciting venous pulsations when they are not readily visible. What are the waveforms in the jugular pulse? There are two outward moving waves, the A and V wave, and two inward moving waves, the X and Y descent. The A wave is caused by atrial contraction and is pre-systolic. It can be identified by simultaneous auscultation of the heart and examination of the jugular venous pulse. The A wave occurs at about the first heart sound. The C wave is due to closure of the tricuspid valve and is not readily visible, the V-wave results from venous return to the right heart. It is not due to ventricular contraction and occurs nearer to the second heart sound. The X-descent is due to atrial relaxation and sometimes referred to as systolic collapse. The Y-descent is produced by opening of the tricuspid valve and the rapid inflow of blood into the right ventricle. What is Kussmaul sign? Normally, there is an inspiratory decrease in jugular venous pulse. In constrictive pericarditis, there is, there is an inspiratory increase in j- jugular venous pulse. Kussmaul sign is also seen in severe right heart failure regardless of etiology. It is caused by the inability of the heart to accept the increase in right ventricular volume without a marked increase in filling pressures. Adolf Kusmall, born in 1822 and died in 1902, was a professor of medicine successful in Heidelberg, in Lagen, Freiburg, and Strasbourg, and coined the term polyarthritis nodosa. Kusmall's breathing is a deep sighing respiration seen when the arterial pH is low. Jugular venous distension or an elevated jugular, jugular venous pressure has been found to be the most useful. Physical finding for assessing ventricular filling pressures. Jugular venous distension is described as an estimated JVP equal to or greater than 10 centimeters of water. Estimates of centimeters of water can be converted to millimeters of mercury using the relationship 1.36 centimeters of water equals 1 millimeter of mercury. When the internal jugular vein is difficult to appreciate, the external jugular vein is acceptable. Jugular venous distension is common in patients admitted for decompensated heart failure. Assessment of jugular venous pulse can be used to estimate right atrial pressure and guide therapy. In heart failure trials, typically JVP is categorized into three groups, less than 8 mmHg, 8-12 to mmHg and greater than 12 mmHg. There are several practical tips when assessing jugular venous pulse. uh, I'm reading this table out from an article by Thibudu and Drasner entitled Clinical Examination Heart Failure, published in Jack Heart Failure, Volume 6, Number 7, Year 2018, pages 543 to 551. Uh, Tip number one, start by assessing the patient sitting upright to exclude a very high JVP, which may be more difficult to detect when at a lower angle. Tip number two, Look for a waveform or pulsation rather than actual venous structure. Shining a light tangentially across the neck may help you see the waveform. Tip number three. If the patient is in bed, excess pillows may flex the neck making the jugular veins hard to see. Therefore, it is recommended leaving only one pillow. Slightly tipping the chin upward often improves the visibility of the jugular waveform. Tip number four. Inspect both sides of the neck because the waveform may be seen better on either the right or the left. In a small minority of the patients, the jugular venous waveform is seen best in the front of the neck, that is midline, above the two clavicular heads. Tip number five, if the internal jugular venous waveform is not visible, the external jugular vein can be used to estimate the jugular venous pulse. Confirm the respirophasic component in the external jugular vein before accepting it as a measure of the JVP. Tip tip number six, assess the jugular venous pulse with the patient at various angles of the horizontal, example supine at 30 to 45 degrees sitting or standing until the pulsation is seen approximately halfway up the neck. Note that a high JVP can be hard to see in the supine position so, a good practice is also to look at the neck veins when the patient is sitting up. Tip number seven, to distinguish the carotid from the jugular venous pulse, apply pressure with your finger 1 to, one to 2 inches below the impulse. If the pulsation disappears, it was the jugular vein. If the pulsation persists, it, it, was, it was the carotid artery. Tip number eight, a respirophasic pattern, typically a decrease with inspiration, but in some patients, the JVP increases with inspiration, known as small sign, and positional changes, that is, pulsations moves, moves lower in the neck when the patient is more upright. Also help to establish the waveform as venous rather than arterial. Tip number nine: if the jugular venous pulse does not seem to be elevated when the patient is supine, press on the abdomen to determine whether heptojugular reflux is present. Note that in many patients, jugular venous pulse will transiently rise, that is, flicker upward for 1 to 2 seconds when abdominal pressure is first applied but then return to normal. Although such a finding is not considered, considered a positive hepatojugular reflux, which requires sustained elevation over 10 seconds, it will help the examiner, examiner to be certain that the maximum height of the jugular venous column was seen and that the jugular venous pulse was not underestimated. The hepatojugular reflux is an increase in JVP by greater than 3 cm sustained during a 10 seconds of continuous pressure in the abdomen with an abrupt fall after the pressure is released. Testing for hepatojugular reflux may improve detection of elevated ventricular filling pressures because the presence of hepatojugular reflux in the absence of isolated right ventricular systolic, systolic dysfunction re- reliably predicts pulmonary capillary wedge pressure greater than 15 mm mercury. In a study of 52 patients referred for cardiac transplantation evaluation, 42% of the patients had hepatojugular reflux and all but one of these patients had pulmonary capillary wedge pressures equal to or greater than 18 millimeters of mercury. Additionally, there was good interobserver agreement in the assessment of hepatojugular reflux. In total, these findings suggest that hepatojugular reflux can be useful in identifying patients with elevated pulmonary capillary wedge pressure. Similar to jugular venous distension, the presence of hepatojugular reflux indicates a worse prognosis in patients with heart failure. Jugular venous distension reflecting hemodynamic changes in the right atrium is an important marker of both right and left heart failure. Studies have suggested that estimations of right atrial pressure by the bedside do not necessarily correlate with measurements of right atrial pressure. However, an elevated jugular venous pulse has been shown to be a reflection of left sided filling pressures and prognosis. The presence of jugular venous distension at rest or inducible has a sensitivity of 81% and a specificity of 80% and a predictive accuracy of 81% for elevation of pulmonary capillary wedge pressure equal to or greater than 18 millimeters of mercury. In the SALT study, an elevated JVP was associated with an increased risk of hospitalizations for heart failure, death or, hospi- or hospitalizations for heart failure and death from pump failure, but not from cardiac arrhythmias. When a jugular vein is not readily visible, the jugular reflux should be performed. As mentioned earlier, it's elicited by gentle continuous pressure on the abdomen for 10 seconds and an increase in jugular venous Pressure by this maneuver reliably predicts pulmonary capillary wedge pressures greater than 15 millimeters in the absence of isolated right ventricular dysfunction. Examination of the jugular venous pulse, therefore, can guide therapy of LV filling pressures in approximately 80% of chronic heart failure patients without obvious non-cardiac disease and is an important prognostic marker of mortality and re-hospitalizations. In the ESCAPE trial, which, which is the uh, acronym for e- evaluation, stu- evaluation study of congestive heart failure and pulmonary Heart catheterization effectiveness, jugular venous distension was one of only two parameters from the clinical examination, the other being orthopnea equal to a, or greater than two pillows that was associated with an elevated pulmonary capillary wedge pressure. The prognostic implications of jugular venous distension has been examined in the SOLV study, that is the study of left ventricular dysfunction. Symptomatic patients with heart failure with uh, jugular venous distension and S3 gallop, that's a third heart sound, or both, were at significantly increased risk for heart failure hospitalizations, composite of death or heart failure hospitalizations, and death from pump failure. In patients with asymptomatic left ventricular dysfunction, both an S3 gallop and jugular venous were associ- associated with an increased risk of development of heart failure and the composite endpoint of mortality or the development of heart failure in, in multivariable models. Subsequently, a propensity matched population of patients with and without jugular venous distension did not demonstrate an association of jugular venous distension with outcomes. In a more recent study of more than 2,000 patients admitted for acute heart failure, jugular venous distension was associated with an increased risk of in-hospital adverse events and an increased 30-day, 1-year and 10-year all-cause mortality with findings consistent with that seen in the solved study. An inspiratory increase in the venous pressure equivalent to Kussmaul sign is an also an adverse prognostic marker in patients with ad- advanced heart failure. Therefore, the JVP is useful not only in assessment of fluid status, but also in identifying patients with high risk of adverse outcomes. Similar to the jugular venous distension, the presence of hepatojugular reflux indicates worse prognosis in patients with heart failure. In a post hoc analysis of the ESCAPE trial, patients with persistent versus resolved hepatojugular reflux on discharge at a higher risk of 6-month mortality uh, univariate odds ratio was 2.2 with 95% confidence intervals of 1.2 to 3.9 with a p-value of 0.01. Furthermore, those with the reflux and jugular venous distension and discharge had a higher six-month mortality compared with those with hepatogecular reflux alone. 33.8% versus 16.7%, respectively, with the p value equ- equivalent to 0.045. Thus, the evaluation of both jugular venous distension and hepatojugular re- reflux, not, not only on admission but also at discharge, provides prognostic information in patients with heart failure. Therefore, I recommend that in all patients with heart failure, a jugular venous distension and epigastric reflux must be recorded on admission, daily, and on discharge day, along with the serum BNP. This is in a nutshell regarding JV, JVD for the Dellmeds medicine resident. These uh, the source documents are. Practical Guidelines for the Diagnosis and Management of Systolic Heart Failure in Low and Middle-Income Countries, authored by myself, Dr. William Deck from Mass General Hospital, Dr. Jagat Narula from Mount Sinai Hospital, published in the Global Heart Journal, Volume 8, Year 2013, pages 141 to 170. Another important reference is State-of-the-Art Review in Jack Heart Failure, titled The Role of Clinical Examination in Patients with Heart Failure, authored by Dr. Jennifer T. Thibaudu, M.D., Dr. Mark H. Drasner, M.D., published in Jack Heart Failure, Volume 6, Number 7, in 2018, pages 543 to 551.